This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Tonight's final bout is for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, scheduled for one fall or two curfew. From the Portland Sports Arena. Wrestling fans, Bob Caudle and Johnny Weaver, welcome to Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, the most exciting... 2-7 CFAC Calgary. Once again, good afternoon, everyone. We're bringing you Matt Time action from the Victoria Pavilion in Calgary. Hello, wrestling fans. Hi, everybody. My name is Travis. Uh, I'm thrilled to be uh, here with you today to talk about a great passion of mine and something that really started uh, my love of professional wrestling uh, because I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and that is Stampede Wrestling. Uh, so we're, I'm here with, uh, the self-proclaimed Ken Burns of wrestling. <laughs> I don't think it was self. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, but, uh, Titans of wrestling, uh, member, um, I, I, I should say I'm honored to be, to have this under the, uh, Titans label here on Place to Be Nation. Uh, Mr. Kelly Nelson is here with us, uh, because we both, we met in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Grade seven for our Canadian listeners. 1989. 1989. Uh, the year after the Calgary, well, the year the Calgary Flames won the, their yep. first and so far only Stanley Cup. Yep. Um, and yeah, we, uh, among other things, love of comics, uh, we really bonded over our love of wrestling. And mm-hmm. um, in growing up in Calgary, it's something that's just always around. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I, I assume you'd hear some like similar stories from people growing up in other territories and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'd have more fondness for, you know, the Von Erics and, yep. uh, you know, down south. As, uh, the same way we would when we talk about people like the Hearts or, um, sure. or you know, people who came out of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, before we get into this, I, d- I do want to uh, acknowledge uh, a really great book that, about the history of Stampede Wrestling uh, called The Pain and Passion. Uh, Pain and Passion, The History of Stampede Wrestling by uh, writer Heath McCoy that really gets into it. Um, and I don't... I, like. I, it's a really great book. I, I remember Meltzer, I think he named it the... the book of the be- Year. Be- book of the I Year. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, for that year. And it's, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to regurgitate too much because what we're, we're going to try to uh, look at what we have in terms of video mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. review uh, things like that. So... Uh, yeah, 
um, but but it is uh, really invaluable mm-hmm. um, uh, because the the only the earliest known episode of Stampede Wrestling uh, is and it's the only one from the first twenty years of the TV show, basically. Yeah. So why don't you quickly? Uh... Right. Well, I envision this as like you know a history of the territory, history of Stampede Wrestling. Um, we'll probably do like four or five episodes. Um, so yeah, you know when uh, we do a Titans with me as you know in a special sort of event here, and we're looking at Stampede territory, and it's something that's not talked about much. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when it is talked about, it's about you know the end or the '80s with Bret Hart, Owen Hart, uh, Chris Benoit, Brian Pillman, the names that would become famous in the nineties for WWF, WCW. Um, as far as the history goes, it's, you know, it's kind of under discussed and mm-hmm. I know there's a lot to talk about. Um, Travis mentioned the book, pain of the passion. It's great. Um, it goes into the history, like from the beginnings of the, uh, territory in the late forties, all the way to the end. Um, so yeah, and, and this is an interesting experience for me. This is an in-person podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the first one for Titans of Wrestling were in beautiful uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We really should uh, give a shout out to uh, my friend Max, uh, co-host of uh, another podcast. I do uh, Lucha Underground podcast, yeah. Lucha Afterground. So he's he's really hosting us here and got this. This dynamite uh, Mm -hmm. sound quality that you're hearing right now. Oh, yeah. No, this will make all the previous Titans episodes sound like shit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's all I wanted. That's like achievement unlocked. (laughs) I mean, hey, if you know recording with Skype and all, it's it's hit or miss. Um, But yeah, well, Travis, uh, since you're new to uh, the Place to Be Nation PWO network of shows, maybe you could do a quick introduction. Sure. You know, um, as a a wrestling fan, like you mentioned, uh, you're uh, show with Max. Yeah. So maybe you could talk a bit about that first and then like your history as a wrestling fan. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, growing up in Calgary, um, I can't tell you, you know, when it started to kind of take over my, uh, you know, emotions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it just became something I really cared about. Uh, I do like Stampede Wrestling. It was Stampede Wrestling in WWF. That's yeah. all we really got was yeah. Maple Leaf Wrestling. Uh, and I, I there's a feud that I think we will get into at one point that I can really pinpoint as being like a, a, a great moment in my wrestling fandom. Mm-hmm. And it was when uh, bad company, um, which is uh, Bruce Hart and Brian Pillman finally won the tag belts against uh, the members of the Karachi vice, Maka Singh and J- champagne man, Jerry Morrow. Champagne man. And the, the, the same then the same, like, because it would always go Stampede Wrestling and then Maple Leaf Wrestling. And this is yeah. the way I remember it. We've been checking our dates. It looks really close. Uh, that Strike Force uh, won the belts against Heart Foundation. And I just remember being on cloud nine for that, yeah. that whole rest of the weekend. Uh, and it's, you know, it's been like that ever since. I've, uh, it, it, it just like anybody, you go through different waves of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, fandom and how much attention you've paid. Yeah. Um, I've uh, it's it's really been growing for me over the last I'd say decade and where I've really started to delve in deeper and deeper um, and getting to know uh, some of the local local guys who work here at the ECCW I yeah. was I was uh, really fortunate to sit in the gorilla position for a show once to really uh, get back there and mm-hmm. uh, that was a real dream come true yeah. I'm I come from a, a theater background and I'm a writer and things like this but that 
really reminded me of what it was like to be in like a, a, a theater company where everyone uh, is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, there's sure. still an underlying uh, competitive nature, but yeah. uh, it's it's that ensemble family. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's something that I, that I'm really really drawn to. Uh, I, I have to give props to uh, the pro wrestling only board and their the highly controversial greatest wrestler ever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because it that really showed me that I don't know anything about professional wrestling. Um, I, I think I do. I've watched a lot of professional wrestling. But over the last three months or so that that's come out, I have watched on a per-day basis uh, more wrestling than I've ever watched in yeah. my life from a, a, a variety of sources, as much mm-hmm. as I could get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that I'm still learning, but... Uh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, the, for For... for for a lot of you uh, uh, posters and podcasters at Place to Be Nation and, and PWO, know that that was uh, that was a great project, and you guys should be very really proud of that. Yeah, no, I, I mentioned it uh, on the board that you know, if nothing else, it got my friend Travis to explore other areas, and yeah, there's so much to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the beauty of pro wrestling today. We're seeing like a, a renaissance in a lot of different styles, different areas outside of WWE. But back in the past, you had the territories in North America, you know, at its peak, like 35 different fiefdoms, mini kingdoms hmm. um, around North America. And Stampede Wrestling, based in Calgary, was one of them. Uh, geographically, the biggest of the territories. Um, not, it was far, far from being the most lucrative territory. Sure. Like you. You know, they had some really rough years because it was hard to entice wrestlers to come up north, mm-hmm. get paid in Canadian money, deal with the winters. The travel was brutal. Yeah. Going from Calgary, for example, to like Saskatoon mm-hmm. in the dead of winter. Yeah, and that's like a nine hour plus drive, yeah, probably. Every, a bunch of big guys piled into yeah, like these yeah, vans. Yeah, exact vans, uh, yeah. Cadillacs and stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's some a, uh, legendary stories about those van oh, yeah. rides in this uh, history. Oh, totally. Um, so it was. It's kind of an obscure. If you're an American uh, listening, it's an obscure territory outside of, like I mentioned before, knowing that's where Bret Hart and the Hearts came from, and, and a lot of other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Footage-wise, uh, it's limited to, um, and a lot of people, especially in the PWO crowd, are not a fan of Stampede Wrestling because PWO. Um, Fans are kind of like the hardest of the hardcore. They love having complete footage, sure. uh, matches with, that go all the way through. Yeah. Um, Stampede footage is notorious for being clipped, clipped. Um, just showing the last few minutes uh, or starting and then having a big edit in the middle and then coming to the uh, end of the match. So there's that. That yeah. is kind of a barrier for a lot of people to get into. Um and there's just, you know, it's kind of... There's a lot in the 80s, um, especially in the period that Travis and I became fans, because mm-hmm. that's when VCRs were not common and a lot of people would tape the shows. I was taping the shows every week. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I had a big collection of tapes when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. But the I think the aim of this podcast series is to educate people on Stampede, to go beyond just the um, Bret Hart years, the Owen Hart years, the the end of the territory, and look at the whole history of it. Definitely. Um, it, it's a very interesting story. So shall we begin? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're taking an interesting approach to the things today. We're going to do a bit of a bookend uh, kind of take on things in, yeah. in terms of footage. Um, but we're going to start with, like we said, the... the 
the only is this the only known episode from the 1960s at all yes wow and um, it's 1961 mm-hmm. april 29 1961 and it just from the start it is if you've ever seen a stampede wrestling episode the formula is there it's mm-hmm. it's exactly the same mm-hmm. like certain uh even certain announcers over time when you go back and listen to like al michaels or somebody when they're younger and right. you hear them now they sound completely different yeah Ed Whalen in 1961 <laughs> sounds exactly the same as Ed Whalen in 1989. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, like, it ta- like even though this is from 16 years before we were born, it yeah. felt like we were getting right back into that warm blanket oh, totally. on Saturday morning yeah, or Saturday yeah. afternoon. I think it was 1.30. Yeah, right after the cartoons yeah. ended, pretty much. Yeah. Um, got open on a match, like I said, with the same old uh, Eddie. And we get, in this first match, a young gorilla monsoon, uh, Gino Morella. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus John Foley. Uh, do you know anything about him? Uh, yeah, John Foley. F O T I. Yeah. Um, not much. Well, hardly anything. I mean, he looked like to be a journeyman type. There's, you know, back then there were dime a dozen. I mean, wrestling with the territories, you had so many people that were professional wrestlers back then. So there's tons of people that, you know, wrestled for years and years. Mm-hmm. But. You don't know really yeah. much about him. He was one of them. I mean, he he was more than a jobber. He was it looked like to be like a kind of a lower mid card guy. And the whole gimmick here is uh, this is Gino Bob Morella. Yeah. Uh, so Monsoon. Um, this is 1961. He started wrestling the year before 1960. He was um, a legit like college athlete mm-hmm. in wrestling at Syracuse University, um, and so he had just gotten into the business. And I'm amazed at a several things i mean he's so agile here like if you know gorilla monsoon well most people would know him just as the announcer in the 80s but if you knew him as a wrestler the footage uh and it's we've looked at a lot of it on titans of wrestling is of him in his you know past his prime near the end he's he's quite heavy uh not exactly very fast but he was still pretty good Mm -hmm. like i've been surprised by a lot of gorilla monsoon matches from like the late 70s early 80s Mm -hmm. because he was a really good performer there's a reason why he was a main eventer for a long time Hmm. and this is his first year in the business and he was already, I think, very confident. Like he came off as a yeah. pretty good wrestler. Yeah, guy. he just he really he just seemed to rely on just like uh, finding that center and just keeping planted. Yeah. Uh, that you could really see that amateur uh, background mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. And the gimmick here is that he's putting up money yeah. every time. 50. There's an ongoing pot. Uh, right. Yeah. No. A rest. Okay. Right. The guy he's wrestling has to put up fifty bucks to to wrestle uh, Morella. And it goes to a pot, and it's got to the point where it's at six hundred and fifty dollars. So he's, I guess, beat thirteen guys. I guess um, already twelve. Yeah, twelve. So this will be the thirteenth guy. Lucky number thirteen. So the winner, if anyone does pin him, you have to pin or submit him. I guess Uh would get the pot, which is now six hundred and fifty dollars. Which in nineteen sixty one was not not a bad bit of scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think about that six hundred fifty grams? Stu is all over. This is uh, we're gonna get. I I guarantee. I'm, I'm giving. I promise to you there will be a lot of uh, Stu Hart impressions. Yeah, yeah. well, because, yeah, we have Ed and uh, Ed Whalen, the longtime uh, announcer for Stampede Wrestling, and the owner of the promoter, the legendary Stu Hart, Mm -hmm. as, like, a commentary team, which is... Awesome, yeah. Just from this episode, but it's so funny because it's just one microphone, and you know that yeah, Stu's just always right. kind of sticking his head in when he feels like it. And yeah, you mentioned how it felt so comfortable in it because it's the same camera angle yeah. that they would use in the eighties, like mm-hmm. that straight on. Like they didn't have, I guess, in the eighties they had a ringside camera, um, but here it was just the one camera focus straight on the same angle you would get twenty five years later. Um, so it felt, you know, super comfortable. The crowd, though 
was a lot more. Um, it's mostly senior citizens. Yes. It looks like that's a t- yeah a typical wrestling crowd for the time. Yeah, where it was mostly older people, um, working class folk, of course. But the crowd they were dressed up kind of mm-hmm. like if you're familiar with the crowds in Stampede in the 70s and 80s, that's more of a rough uh, Alberta crowd. Yeah, yeah. Crowd. oh yeah, yeah. We'll see some of that. <laughs> this oh, yeah. this was like the Mad Men era of Stampede wrestling huh. uh, with Stu. Yeah, in the his Mad suit. Oh, totally. He was looking like a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. all show we'll get to that oh uh, i did notice uh ed ed re- refers to this as mat time series yes. is this what it was called at the time well th- now i'm confused uh, as far as i knew or i know uh wrestling or stampede wrestling was known as big time or the tv show was known as big, big time, time wrestling, wrestling yeah. at this time mm-hmm. um and i think they'd inherited that title from a uh, a previous uh, TV show, a wrestling TV show that uh, I'll get into this later, how Stu sort of bought uh, other promoters and, and acquired this territory. Um, his, uh, the original name of the territory that Stu founded in Edmonton, ironically, hmm. and Stu was raised in Edmonton too, another irony for a, yeah. a territory that becomes known as, you know, Stan, Calgary, yeah, yeah. Calgary town, uh, Calgary territory, um, was Klondike wrestling in Edmonton, which yeah, is, if you it. know Edmonton, that's, you know, the word Klondike is used for their um, big uh, festival in the summer or exhibition the, Klondike days. The, the very poor man's stampede. <laughs> the poor man's stampede. The very poor man. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Edmonton and Calgary hate each other. Yeah. Just... We have a, a blood feud. <laughs> I don't know if it was ever exploited too much in wrestling, though. No, I don't I think ju- so. Yeah, it's more of a, of course, a hockey well, I'm a, uh, Maka Singh would wear an Oilers jersey. Yeah, yeah, and talk about uh, the Oilers beating the Flames. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, So, yeah, so it was known as Klondike Wrestling originally. It didn't become known as Stampede Wrestling until 1967, I believe. Hmm. So at this time, now as far as the the title of the show, I was a bit unsure Mm -hmm. what this was. I mean, yeah, Waylon introduced it as Matt Time, and he kept talking about how it's this morning. That was (laughs) unusual. Like, like it was like an er crack of dawn, like how to get to the (laughs) pavilion. Because they, as far as they always uh, tape TV on Friday and yeah. then show it on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I asked around online, you know, first I wanted to know why this was the only footage we have from this time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, out of, you know, just randomly one episode. Why did that happen? <laughs> uh, the consensus seemed to be that, you know, the WWE wanted to showcase something with Monsoon. So they have the footage hmm. in the vault and just picked one sort of at random. Hmm. Uh, to I want to see re- those 12 other fights. Man. Yeah, like, who knows how much footage the WWE has. Yeah. Um, yeah. I plan to ask around more and try and figure out, like, what was sold to mm-hmm. WWE at one point, because there could be a potential goldmine of footage, mm-hmm. uh, stampede-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, and another thing someone mentioned online was they weren't sure if this was an actual episode or was, like, clips from different episodes put together uh, but I don't, I don't think, think so. it was I don't no. think so because of the way Bulldog Bob Brower yeah. he's like a, a Charles Foster Kane that like lingers right. over this whole episode yeah yeah <laughs> and it, and how it seems to flow all the way from start yeah. to finish yeah. with no breaks at all yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like and one Gino continuous keeps co- Gino comes back <laughs> to remind you like we even way later in the episode that he didn't pin me so that i still get that pot is still in there right um i was wondering do you know if were any of these shoot matches with morella do you think no no no, no okay no, no, no. 
Okay. This was a common gimmick, the money, putting yeah. up the money sort of thing. Oh, yeah, they used okay. that all the time. Yeah, so like a, uh, the dropkick from uh, Fody kind of yes. knocks knocks Gino down and out over the top, yep. and he gets counted out. Yep. And there's some confusion, but Eddie's, Eddie's like, is the yeah, voice yeah, yeah. of reason. Yeah, says, yeah, yeah. No, no, it has to be a pen or submission. Yeah. Uh, Stu, kept, Stu asked the time at the weird, like, how, how long did that one go? <laughs> like... Like, well, they were very concerned about time. Yeah, I think yeah. it was like they had a very strict, That's you right. know, um, amount of time allotted. Yeah, he's to the really show. having to be like a kind of a shift manager and a commentator yeah. and character yeah. and promoter, promoter, like all at Booker once. too. I yeah, think he's yeah. got his fingers in a lot of pies. And you're really seeing how he's, you know, putting all these fires out constantly. Yeah. No, this was cool because I wasn't expecting much. I thought Morella was going to beat this guy easily, mm-hmm. and then suddenly drop kick, big yeah. high spot. Monsoon or Morella takes a huge bump, um, and he was known uh, known for his over the top rope bumps. That was sort of a, a signature for Monsoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was great. Yeah, yeah, great finish. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, and I love right after that. Eddie not missing a beat yeah. and just entering the ring to do an interview while he's right. like a head. So that's just going to bring us in and just kind of hear like, a, yeah, he's like kind of rolling into the, yeah. but he's like, he's just such a pro. Like, they, yeah. like if they had been doing this, well, I guess this is, what do we say? Probably about four years they've been doing this. Yeah, year. I believe the show started in 57. Just so settled in, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he interviewed uh, Ricky Waldo. Do you know? Uh, I don't know a yeah. thing um, uh, about Said he him. was involved in a Pier Sixer <laughs> yes. with Bulldog Bob Brower. What does that mean exactly? Uh, well, it's a like a Pier Six, six brawl. brawl was like slang for, yeah, yeah like a pretty wild match. Cool. Yeah, to control brawl. Yeah. yeah. I love just right in the middle of the uh, interview without being asked, Stuhl rolls in to add his two cents. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing was just so casual. I know. You know it was, it was, I, that's what, one of the reasons why I loved it Me so too. Much. Me too. Uh, he, talked about, he talked about how, like, even though he lost that match, he's like, hey, you probably could have won it on uh, points. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Why don't, why don't they start incorporating? They, wrestling needs things like this nowadays. Just little whispers of real life sport. Right. I think they're starting to do it. Uh, I mean, the yeah, fans yeah, yeah. really starting to do it with, yep. the, with the cruiserweight. Oh yeah, uh, championship. Yep. But that's we shouldn't say that that's like exclusive to them. That's them catching up to exactly. What New well, Japan's traditionally the McMahon family, you know, McMahon family wrestling has never focused like heavily on the sports mm-hmm. side, whereas a lot of the old territories did, mm-hmm. and and really presented it as legit and as you know, right next to uh, a boxing match or mm-hmm. a football game or whatever mm-hmm. comparison you want to make. Okay, and then uh, and then Stu says something that. It's probably the, the hardest I laughed at this point in the match is he's he's starting to wonder about what he's going to do for the how he's going to plan out the next match and he yeah. walks he asks for the people's input and he gives out his home phone numbers <laughs> on, on this TV. Oh my god! Yeah, that is, I, that I is, think I wrote it down. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't. But it was like with you say it an old timey number with yeah. letters it was in like, it. Like yeah, HLM five. Yeah, yeah, two letters. Five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ask for Sarah; she'll hook you up. Um, <laughs> what a different time! Uh, it was yeah. so funny, man. That is so Calgary. <laughs> Even though it's like 1960s, it's just like oh, you know, we're all we're all family. Yeah, just call yeah. me off. Yeah, that's yeah. no problem. Yeah, like so funny. <sighs> that's uh, that was another hilarious highlight. <laughs> um, and so, and and that was a good, I don't know, two and a half or three minutes, uh, mm-hmm. and then and then John Fody gets his bit, bit in as well about right. how he wants another match, and he's still out of breath, even though he had uh, <laughs> had a lot of time to rest or to, to rest there. Yeah, um, probably smoked a pack a day. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, and then, so this was what I thought was a really cool moment 
um, in particular with what we're going to see for the match after here, mm-hmm. is somebody from the YMCA comes in and brings a bunch of kids who are training to be uh, young amateur yeah. wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that one of those kids is a heart. I'm certain. Maybe a couple of them. There's, there was like a dozen, right? Mm-hmm. Or at mm-hmm. least like, like something like that. Possible. And- let's, let's say... That one of them was. Yes. <laughs> and again, this is what I'm saying. This is so Calgary mm-hmm. in that it's just like pushing the community. Right. Um, uh, the Calgary that I grew up in mm-hmm. anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, I still go back. I haven't lived there for almost 20 years. Yeah, like, you left way before ni- I did. In 98, I've, I've lived in Vancouver since uh, January of 98. Mm-hmm. Um, I love going back. Um, I'm always shocked at how much it's changed, but also how yeah. much it's still stayed the same. Uh, weirdly, yeah. uh, but this has always been a, a big thing in Calgary. And right. I, I think you'll, you'll hear that from anybody is just like family and the sense of community. It's different there. I can't really put my finger on it, but it, it, it's different there. Yeah. The, almost the small town roots. Yeah. Um, were strong for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and this is just a, a perfect example of it. Uh, so yeah. And I just love this local promotion. And this is again, mm-hmm. a, another staple that we'd see. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we were watching uh, some of the 79 and 78 footage yep. that the, the network had up for a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the, some of the stuff in the eighties and like, he's promoting, uh, Eddie will be talking about, uh, uh, you know, like some, some movie that's filming in the area, right, like, yeah. and they need, uh, people to help out. So if you can come by, like, it's right. just so it's like this like yeah. public address board at the same time. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a bygone era. Now. Yeah. It's community television. Mm-hmm. That's not really around anymore. Yeah, so that led us into... I, I mean, I, I just thought that was a really sweet moment. And like I said, when we get to our last match, you guys will really... I think you'll understand a little bit uh, more why I thought so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, or not, or the, the, the last thing that we're going to talk about, I mean, not the yeah. next match on yeah. this episode. Yeah. Uh, which Our next match was uh, Gene Murphy versus Ken Larmer. That's a... Ken Larmer, that's a, as a, that's a real Canadian yeah. name, eh? Hey? <laughs> I guess so. Makes you think of like a, a hockey player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about these guys. No? They yeah. looked almost identical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Black trunks and brush cuts. Yeah, and this one cut to... It, like, we saw their intros, but it cut to mid-match. Right. Um... There was a really great uh, narrative of these body slams where Larmer just re- kept refusing to break that hammer lock on Murphy. Right. Do you remember that? Until finally it's just like we're at a stalemate and they both kind of decide, okay, we'll yeah. start again from scratch. Yeah, because this was just a technical exhibition. Mm-hmm. It, was, there was, it wasn't supposed to be a real match. You know, it was like a workout I yeah. think is what they called it. That's yeah. what they called it. Yeah. yeah. So, so was this not supposed to have a... I I uh, I don't know. I mean this I mean the whole exhibition it, thing was something a lot of territories would use with like baby faces, you know, and in a way to get over wrestling as legit mm-hmm. with all this crazy crap going on sure. and, and angles and stuff, but still this is supposed to be real. So this is something you would yeah. do if wrestling was real, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, they were these were two legit solid athletes <laughs> working hard and then just yeah. with such a mid-card match yeah uh a time limit draw like you said and it yeah. got some really nice applause from the crowd mm-hmm. and it was done mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is so much of a, a bike yeah, honor. you imagine trying this now no. in the middle of raw no <laughs> who would it be like our <laughs> truth and uh um oh our truth and baron corbin, baron corbin. <laughs> Go, a 10 minute or a 10, 15 minute time limit draw <laughs> and polite applause from the crowd <laughs> Um, again, we see Eddie kind of grunting, getting into the ring and not missing uh, a beat. Right. Interviews uh, Timothy McHagan. Or is this is no? Right? Uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's G E O 
H A G E N. Okay. Gehagen? Gehagen or something? Yeah. Have you heard him before? No. No. It sounds like a Scottish name. <laughs> <laughs> and Stu, of course, has to step in again. He's like, he's, in a way, he's just kind of playing God this whole way yeah, through, but still yeah. kind of like a God uh, who's taking people's suggestions. Like, yeah. he, he's just, he's deciding on the fly. Right what his involvement in this episode in this story is going to be yeah. um he talks about talks to tim about getting a, a rematch with bulldog so it's the second time we've heard like i said how this character of bulldog bob brower just kind of hovers over this this whole episode yeah and they say it's a good thing he's not here and it's actually it's bulldog dick brower oh, the confusion me. is there was a wrestler bulldog that bob wrestled, brown yeah bob brown that wrestled at pretty much the same time and was also well actually bulldog bob brown was canadian mm-hmm. uh dick brower was I believe from delaware but he spent most of his career wrestling in canada and would actually be billed when he went back to wrestle in the states as being from toronto hmm. uh, so a lot of people think uh, dick brower is canadian too um, but it's a, it's super confusing, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they were both heels usually. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. It was in the middle of this. Another big laugh I got from Stu is he's like talking about. He's like, oh, why didn't you guys fight? Remind me of a yeah, movie I saw. Yeah. <laughs> why did Buffalo against a tiger? Like, yeah. What? Like, who? What What film is this? <laughs> it's just as he's not watching, so like, totally Hinterlands Who's Who or uh, something they showed. Wild at, like, Kingdom? The, yeah, the driving back. as <laughs> the, the B movie and the double bill. <laughs> <laughs> just like, but he's saying it like it's an anecdote that we all know. Oh yeah, the old water buffalo and tiger it, it parable probably was <laughs> yeah. common, Maybe. common knowledge in 1961. Uh, so yeah, so he kind of puts over the idea that everybody wants to get their hands on Bulldog. Yeah. Um, and then when they're done, right away, Gino comes back in to remind Eddie that he still has the $650 yep. and gets back out of there. And Gino showed some really great fire yeah, on yeah, the stick here. Great confidence as a promo yeah. um, right away as a wrestler. That's great. Yeah, yeah and he was awesome. the only one who was kind of... He was kind of showing character in his promo. Yep. Everybody else was being really straight edge, and he... Yep. Yeah, you start to a, see... Yeah, the amazing thing with Morella is that Shortly after this, he becomes Gorilla Monsoon, and the original Gorilla Monsoon character was a mute savage, huh. uh, you know, heel, and from Manchuria, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> and he, for the first five, six years he was in um, New York, he didn't speak at all. Hmm. Um, and then when he did turn um, babyface, suddenly he was intelligent and he oh. wasn't really Manchurian anymore That's and funny. could speak. But it's, it's interesting to see here that this is the Morella or the monsoon you would know later on in the 70s hmm. pretty much with the way he's talking very very much the hmm. same Did you, have you said how old how old would he have been at this time um let me see i want to say he was about in his early 60s when he died mm-hmm. and that was 1999 so that would make him early 20s yeah, here you yeah. know 24 or yeah. so he was right out I, I believe he went straight from syracuse right into pro wrestling that's cool yeah his blood Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and I know I'm going to mess <laughs> up this next name. I heard they say it like three or four times, but it's 1960s audio, and this is uh, Bill Solalenko? Solawaco. Solawaco? Yeah. Were you able to find it? Yes. Online? Yeah, this guy actually would become, if you were um, 
uh, if you grew up in the Carolinas and in the in the sixties and seventies, he was known as Klondike Bill there and wrestled. He was like a mainstay in that territory. Hmm. I don't know much else about him other than that, but mm-hmm. yeah, like, he was a you know fairly known name. For he was a, a guy who's built like kind of like a yeah, bulldog. very yeah. stocky, yeah yeah, 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 very solid. Um, he was against Richard Miller, yeah, Ripper Miller, Ripper Miller. Yeah, uh, this guy, um, he wrestled a lot in the sixties. Um, he would wrestle, I believe, as the mighty Yankee down south under a mask, which was a, a common gimmick uh, to get heat in the south as, uh, you know, the, the, sure. the, the bad Northern Yankees area. coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he would stop wrestling in 1968 and not return until 1982. Wow. And, and for, for the WWF. As? Uh, as Mighty Joe Thunder. Hmm. Um, we haven't explored this on Titans because it wasn't included on the um, original set. But I have all his matches. He only wrestled at two TV tapings. All his matches are on YouTube, and he's considered, like, the worst wrestler to ever be managed by Lou Albano. <laughs> he was brought in with the idea of, well, maybe he'll be a backland opponent. Yeah. But he hadn't wrestled for 14 years. Wow. I haven't watched these matches yet. We're planning to do it sometime as a, a Mystery Titans theater Wild. thing. And they're apparently, like, awful. Like, very <laughs> awful matches. Well, this wasn't a bad match. No, no. I mean, this was 20 years earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, here's, here's where, again, we hear... Uh, Stuart, hey, how many minutes left, Ed? Like <laughs> checking on the clock. Yeah. Uh, and then again, we hear Bulldog's name again. So yeah. he's just lingering over yeah, this. Yeah, great. Uh, and Miller finally t- tries to he adds something to uh, this this match, and he really oversold a bump. Do you remember this? Yes, like yeah. it was like you, you really didn't see it that time. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, Bulldog just shows up <laughs> yeah. in a tight golf shirt <laughs> with a suitcase. Yeah. He talks trash. He grabs the mic. What was he saying on the mic? He must. Oh yeah, he's he straight told, from the airport. Yeah, yeah. You told me I'm supposed to be here at eleven o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like, it looks like they gave him the slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he's like the bully nobody wants to. Yeah. You know, like oh, we don't like him. Yeah, we they don't all, want him to they be. Were all talking about you know it's uh, kind of refreshing not having that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that asshole you work with yeah, yeah. you're glad when he's, he's sick yeah, or yeah. doesn't and when show he enters the room you're just like fuck <laughs> yeah um so it just turns into like this huge schmoz he tosses through or he tosses stew and he throws a chair the bulldog is just fired up and uh eddie eddie starts going i, I don't want to lose my microphone and then just cuts from there and it's silence and we just see Stu throwing bombs and there's bedlam. Chairs being tossed. It was fan fucking tossed. Into the crowd. Uh, it, it, like into the crowd and it just cuts <laughs> abruptly and Eddie's back on the mic in the in the crowd and he's right away he's pushing tickets for next Friday yeah. and they give away Stu's home phone number again <laughs> and even after this Stu still looks like a million bucks oh, he still totally. looks like in that uh, that Don Draper suit yeah. uh, in there and I was and this match just and the episode just ends and I yeah. was smiling for a good yeah. 10 minutes after oh, this was over totally. man it was so much fun yeah because I bought it. I did. I bought that Brower wasn't going to be there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's not on this episode. Yeah. And then he shows up and it just chaos. That's... And he was known as the one-man riot squad. Uh, <laughs> you bought it when you saw it. Like, we've seen him on he Titans was... 20 years later, and he's abysmal yeah. at that time. Yeah. You know, he's in his 50s by then, and he's just, he's horrible. Yeah. But he had but he a was rat, just man. He was just indiscriminate with who he was going oh, yeah. after, too. He went after both combatants in the fight. Yeah. Um... What's his name? Uh, 
who was it? Uh, Solenko or whatever yeah. got in some some good stuff yeah, there. Yeah. So that that bailed up him as yeah. like a possible guy yeah, who could yeah, take him. Yeah. There, this was mm-hmm. this doesn't it just makes you God. I wish we could see more oh, from this totally. era to see where this story is going, yeah. and it shows you that yeah. uh, Stu as a storyteller, mm-hmm. uh, like is great. Like he's yeah. he's. He's booking really uh, forward-thinking here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it was very exciting television, and that's yeah. how you sold tickets. You yeah. sold tickets based on crazy angles like this that made you think, I have to see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. You know? And it wouldn't be shown on TV. You had to go in person to see it. And you know, the territory at this time was coming off a very hot period. The 50s for Stampede were like, arguably the the greatest period they ever had wow um it was they were very successful they were able to bring in a lot of big names um uh that they would have trouble and struggle over the years afterwards right getting in in top talent but in the 50s they had guys like gorgeous george come in lou fez the nwa champion uh gene kaniski big thunder big uh Mm. star wrestler uh various others so yeah they were you know at this time still riding a a pretty good high Mm -hmm. as a promotion um but yeah, this this show was great. I love the Ed and Stu show. Like yeah. it seems to me like that this is like a lost like great commentary I, team. Who knows? <laughs> who right? knew about that? Like, Gosh, I hope I hope some more comes up. Like Waylon takes a beating. That's what I was going to ask about. <laughs> I've heard this, and yeah. uh, maybe it's just because we grew up with it. Right. But I was like shocked to hear this. I mean, when you go back and you do watch it, just it, he, he is super repetitive. He's still he's right. saying "Look out, Nelly!" in 1961. Yeah. He yeah. was saying it in 1989 and ever, mm-hmm. all the other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's lots of silence. Yeah. Uh, um, but man, like he's he's a legend in Calgary. Oh, totally. It's it, because it, because he was uh, the Flames announcer. Yep. At the Flames uh, at the Saddle Dome, where yep. they like the the home team broadcast booth mm-hmm. is named the Ed Whalen Broadcast Booth. Yep. Uh, I can remember the legendary goal calls for like yep. uh, he did it yes. for uh, Lanny McDonald getting yeah. his five hundredth goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was the sports um, guy on uh, the news. Yeah. He did that's sports right. news. Yeah. Uh, he was heavily involved in the community. Yeah. No, I mean with Ed. It's like someone telling you, like, your grandfather was a shitty uh, worker. Like, you, you know, yeah, you love your that's grandfather, what it, that's what but then you're is. told, oh, really, you know, he was really bad at his job. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to, you know, believe yeah. that's true. Yeah. I guess it's, it's just at this stage, it's difficult for me to kind of remove myself from that uh, yeah. attachment. Yeah, it is. Because we were young when we got into it. Ed, you know, he was omnipresent in the mm-hmm. Calgary community. Uh, you know, you love the guy. Like mm-hmm. he, he, he had uh, like a great reputation. Um, as a commentator, I mean, I haven't really gone back and watched a lot mm-hmm. of Stampede, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Um, and I will be uh, in the coming weeks. So, you know, I mean, maybe we will start to see that. Maybe we'll see. Well, part of the criticism uh, towards Waylon is based on the fact that he was kind of the producer of the television. Yeah, he That's... yeah he was responsible for what was put on TV, yeah. and so he was responsible for the cutting of the matches. Yeah, and uh, like like looking at that the footage that was on the network from seventy eight and seventy nine, and you're and like why why were you cutting that match? But keeping this segment that is going nowhere right. and it's so long, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about when we get to it. Uh, it's, it's something we'll touch on yeah. for sure. I don't know how, how deep we'll get into that because that was, I found that 
from what I've watched of those, there's six episodes that were mm-hmm. on the network for like four days. It yeah, felt yeah. like, um, um, but we were able to track them down yep. and that was those matches or those episodes are way more inconsistent than the 61 episodes. Yeah. I'm not sure how much influence Ed had in the production side of things at this time. Uh, he may have been just the announcer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the structure may have been totally different. Isn't another criticism that he wouldn't put over the heels? Like he wouldn't show fear in front of them? A lot of the times, yeah. Um, that's true. I um, remember as a kid thinking, like, how can you just be so casual, like, talking to these <laughs> monsters? Right. I think as he grew older, he became more and more disillusioned with the violence of sure, wrestling sure. and didn't and especially when his reputation in the community increased and there's you know uh talk that he wanted to get into politics and mm-hmm. and you know he didn't want to be he didn't want anyone to point at well you're the guy who was responsible for this bloody television show you know that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and it's unfortunate but that's the reputation wrestling has and of always course. will yeah. um so there was that too. It, it's a complicated story. I think obviously he loved wrestling, like he did it for thirty years, yeah. and it was more than just a job for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, he, he eventually does, I think, become increasingly disgusted with the violence. But I sure. think that's something that happened in the seventies and into the eighties. Mm-hmm. And who knows, you know, what was going on behind the scenes? There's mm-hmm. a lot we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Waylon's a, it's a contra- he's a controversial figure, mm-hmm. but we'll be talking a lot about him. Cool. As we go forward. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on the Place to Be Nation. PlaceToBeNation.com. The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. Place to Be Nation is Justin Rosero here. In addition to The Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceToBeNation.com. And we now offer them to you on two great feeds as well. On the Place to Be podcast feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on The Mothership, The Place to Be podcast, with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with clotheslines and headlines. Main event, Mission Indie Possible in our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on WWE, NXT, and Ring of Honor Super Shows. Relive Wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. We also have sports covered too with the Sports Lounge, the TJ McLoon Show, and NBA Team Podcast. On our brand new PTB Pop Podcast feed, we offer great shows such as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, Lucha Undead, as well as a veritable podcast heaven for comics fans with the hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both feeds on iTunes and be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All of these shows are available on PlaceMation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. Be sure to check out the right-hand side of the site for details on how to support the site when you shop at Amazon and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts and Scott Keats' blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the pro wrestling only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network, where you'll find a ton of in depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got 
Chris Zellner's one-two punch of Exile on Bad Street and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave, Goodwill Wrestling and the Reaction Shows with Good Old Will from Texas. we got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow, Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show, Tag Teams Back Again with Kelly and Marty Sleaze, and a ton of other great shows too. And of course, there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. Yeah, speaking of going forward, we jump all the way to July 6, 1997. Uh, Stampede Wrestling is out of commission at this time. Mm-hmm. When did it... Like, it kept showing up in different incarnations that were kind of yeah pseudo-official and things like that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We met in 1989, and that was kind of the end of mm-hmm. the... Uh, well, there was a, a an ending in 1984 where um, Vince... Or Stu sold to Vince McMahon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when, remember he never saw a diamond. He that? didn't get yeah. any. He was supposed to get a million dollars for it, and he didn't get anything. Um, this was when Vince was buying up uh, a lot of TV. Like, that's what he wanted. He didn't want the territory. He didn't care. He just wanted the TV in Calgary because mm-hmm. he wanted to get the WWF, you know, uh, as far reaching uh, as he uh, could. As many and, uh, TV sets. Yeah, so. and one of his first, if not his first uh, objectives was to get into Canada and take over the TV in Canada from coast to coast. Um, so he bought the territory. The territory shut down. It was struggling at that time anyway, but he didn't um, pay to a dime. Uh, the shows, the initial shows that the WWF ran in Calgary struggled. Nobody knew who they were, right? Mm-hmm. WWF was, you know, and it's just hard to believe for a lot of people, but prior to 84 was a regional Northeast United mm-hmm. States promotion mm-hmm. where unless you read the wrestling mags, you didn't really know much about them because you couldn't see their TV. Yeah. So nobody knew who these guys were. He didn't send Hulk Hogan to the shows. He sent Andre the Giant, yeah. I think, to headline. And Andre had gone through stampede of course Mm -hmm. because that was what andre did he was the traveling attraction Mm -hmm. so the um the initial stampede show or the initial wwf shows didn't really draw well and then bruce began running an opposition group and then uh, vince just said um you can have it back okay but he still had the tv yeah so it didn't really matter it was a win-win situation for vince it's not like he was worried about losing a territory war in calgary and um, that, and so that one, when Bruce was booking, is when we were uh, just shortly after. I think it when he gave it back to um, Stu, that would have been like late 1985. Mm-hmm. And I first started watching Stampede in the summer of '86. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, too, and that's that. when. Yeah, so they had been back for eight months or so mm-hmm. then. And then it went on from there to the end of 1989. I think the last show was in December, just before Christmas, if Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. And then it just ended. And I don't think there was ever, like, this is the final episode or anything. But I wasn't really watching wrestling at that point. I got out of it after uh, WrestleMania five. And and didn't really follow it. He just, just couldn't handle those mega powers exploding. <laughs> I don't know. It was too much. I think. Well, I was a huge Savage fan. Yeah. Um, and was kind of disappointed that it went that way. That's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know how it is with wrestling. You watch a lot, sure. and then you kind of yeah. get burned out. Yeah. And I was only eleven or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'm still. But uh, I took a couple to of years interested break. in girls. <laughs> yeah. Girls or yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, pre-internet. We'll say yes, yeah, the pre-internet world of my imagination. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then late night CBC movies. That's right. That had yeah, brief that's nudity. a big thing we bonded about. We'd get so excited. The French station would always yes, deliver. French, yes. Yeah. At two o'clock in the morning. You had to be very uh, persistent yeah, and yeah, stay yeah. up for the off chance yeah, you may see yeah. a nipple. I'm sure we can fit in a good uh, story of those in one of these episodes. Oh, totally. We have countless uh, high school stories. So, yeah. So, anyway, Stampede uh, ended around then, late 89. Then there was, yeah, there was, um, the, uh, what was it called? The CNWA, I think, was the first uh, comeback thing that was mm-hmm. filmed at the Silver Dollar Action Center, where uh, which is a famous building in Calgary, or was. I don't even know if it exists anymore. Oh, either. Yeah. Frank Sisson, you remember yeah. Frank yeah. Sisson? Uh, I was the pink building. It was a bowling alley slash casino. Um, How would you describe... Frank Sissons, what title would you give him in, in Calgary? Entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, entrepreneur. Um, philanthropist? Uh, I guess he was involved in philanthropy. He was famously gunned down uh, once in, in broad daylight. Oh, my God. Going to the bank by people that he basically crossed at some wow. point. He had, yeah, so he had like a, a reputation as being involved in like... Organized the, crime. Organized crime. In Crazy. But he owned the building. Yeah. And I guess he was maybe kind of the promoter of these shows. And they did film TV. This is when Jericho got in and Lance Storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually showed... They had a, a show on TSN. Oh, yeah. Uh, at that time. Um, and then there were a couple um, uh, reunion shows. One that I went to in early 1992, uh, January 1992, mm-hmm. at the, the Victoria Pavilion, mm-hmm. um, where Bad News Allen had kind of organized the whole thing, oh, wow. I think. Um, anyway, he was the pushed, like the top star of it. And uh, Bad News would become, a, well, it was a huge star in the 80s in Stampede in mm-hmm. Calgary. And the show I went to was apparently where Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit met for the hmm. first time backstage. Wild. Yeah, they were both on the card. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember a lot about it. I remember bad news for yeah. sure. Um, and, yeah. And then there was another one after that that was canceled at the last second. That's that right. You that and, we had gone to. Yeah, and, a few of our other friends. Yeah, it didn't end up being yeah happening yeah yeah and that was it and then they brought then there was the uh, rocky mountain wrestling mm-hmm. promotion that ran in victoria park in calgary yeah. which uh back in the day was the skid row area of yeah. calgary <laughs> yeah. where the stampede grounds yeah, yeah. are, are it's right been super developed since yeah then, no, it's been gentrified but they yeah. they ran uh, shows at a community center there in 1992 93 and we went to a lot of those yeah yeah that's where we saw we saw Lance and yep, Jericho, Jericho was still in there at gosh, the tail end stood out like a sore thumb yep um, and then there was a revival when wrestling got big again in the late 90s um, back at the pavilion at least for the uh, initial episodes on A Channel huh. uh, with Mauro Ranallo doing wow. the commentary yeah. with Bad News and this first. would have been this was 1999 and I think? that went till <sighs> Me, I don't think two years. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But, not whenever, long. but we do know that when it ended, uh, friend of the show, friend of uh, mine, Ravenous Randy Myers, is the reigning North American heavyweight champion. Yeah. Well, uh, that went, I mean, they continued doing periodic um, uh, revivals in the 2000s, hmm. I know, but no TV. Yeah. 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 Uh, who was running it? Uh, good question. Uh, Bruce, I think, was involved in the the uh, late '90s mm-hmm. revival where they had the the show on A Channel. Mm-hmm. But then after that, I think Bruce was still you know pretty yeah. involved uh, for quite a few years. Um, he may even still be involved to this day. I'm mm. not sure. I'm excited to get into uh, discussions of Bruce Hart as a Booker. 
when we get to those uh, 80s. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because there's some some pretty groundbreaking stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, uh, a little ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Not to the extent of something like Memphis, but but still some stuff that you would see uh, later in in WWF. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, Memphis is a good comparison as far as, like, the total out of control kind yeah. of... Well, I, I guess not total out of control, but it could get to the point where fireballs were used. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, You know, pretty violent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, very much almost like a precursor to, like, Vince Russo-style Russo uh, crash TV-type booking in mm-hmm. a way or something. I just... Uh, I think I told you I just finished the... Uh uh, compilation of the entire uh, Lawler and Dundee feud. Mm. Oh my gosh, that yeah, is yeah. so incredible! Yeah, it's so good. good. Um, so yeah, so this takes us to July. They said July 6, nineteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. This is a WWE. Is it still F at the time? Yeah, it's still uh, F, yep. In your house, Canadian Stampede. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of a oh. Here's the first thing I noticed. I watched this on the network, mm-hmm. and it's got the Benoit treatment on the bottom. It doesn't. You hmm. can't click on it. Why would this be? It's a good question. Who's it like? There's a lot of dead wrestlers. Are they in trying the to avoid Owen Hart? I don't know. See, I, I was surprised I've never heard by that. that before. I was surprised by that. Yeah, um, yeah no, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so we see uh, Lawler, Vince, and Jr. all in cowboy hats. Um, we get a recap of what's been going on in the uh, um, WWF at the time with yeah. the Nation of Domination, DOA, and Savio's gang and others. Just general chaos. Yeah. And it said, but on the top of this has been the feud between uh, uh, Brett and Austin. And this is right when uh, mm-hmm. just a, how like just over a year since he said Austin 316? Uh, yeah, just over a year because it was... Um the June 96 uh, King of the Ring yeah. was where he cut the yeah. promo out. So after. he's his his star is just about is in the process of exploding. We're seeing him yeah. like, oh, becoming yeah. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very apparent this legend. at this point. He was um, going to be huge. And we, and we get a, a really great of what was uh, a lot of great anti-American promos <laughs> from, from Brett at the time. This was, for me personally, the peak of my emotional fandom mm-hmm. in, uh, in wrestling well. because of how... It was so vice versa with mm. us, right? Mm. Like everywhere else, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure this has been talked a thousand about a thousand times. So I won't mm-hmm. get too much into it. But uh, Canada loved the Hart Foundation, oh, and, yeah. uh, and everywhere else, uh, it was uh, Stone well, Cold. And- it, it was the peak of you know, sort of the anti-American feeling in mm-hmm. Canada, as far as like being kind of envious of the Americans sure. and they uh, famously defeated Canada in the World, the World Cup of Cup. Hockey in 1986 right. which was okay. kind that was I think the tipping point 86? 96 96 that's what yeah, I was going to say yeah the year before yeah, yeah. yeah. so that it was I think one of the major tipping points because hmm. that was such a blow to that the was. Canadian I remember, ego I remember that just destroying me oh yeah because Canada had never lost a major that's tournament right. yeah. best yeah. on and best and to the Americans to of the all. Americans of all I, and that was also when um, Quebec left uh, the NHL, Winnipeg left the NHL for mm, Americans, right. right? Calgary and Edmonton were struggling big time. That's right. At that like time. It, 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 at that point, it was, it was, a, it felt like it was a matter of time before yep. our teams are going to leave yep. as well. Edmonton for sure yep. was a, pretty much a done deal yep. at one point. But then oil, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways. Um, so the, this cuts backstage with uh, our boy. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes uh, backstage interview. Doc Hendricks. Doc Hendricks at the time, I was going to say. Um, and Goldust starts talking, and he's talking like Dustin Rhodes. 
he's like, you want to, you remember, I'm the one who put all this together. Like, he's like, he's not playing the character at all. So maybe at this time it had evolved to this point. I don't know exactly where his character was. Uh, Yeah, he had turned babyface earlier in Mm -hmm. the year. And yeah, this, a lot of this is a blur to me. Uh, And everyone cuts a promo except for Stone Cold, who like, you know that everybody wanted Mm. to hear, but he's just like, like fired up and and Hendrick is about to give him the mic, but he walks out. Right. Then it cuts inside and we get the Canadian National Anthem performed by Farmer's Daughter. Do you remember this band? No. No, they were like. Well, I remember the name. Yeah. yeah. They were like uh, Poor Man's Dixie Chicks. Yeah. Yeah. Canadian Dixie Chicks. Very poor man. Uh, And it was a nice touch. Like it was uh, an acapella. Right. This whole night was booked beautifully yeah and, and and like this is this was a, a victory lap kind of one last victory lap for stampede wrestling that's why yeah. we're picking it even though it's not but it's also in a way it was kind of vince's love letter or like thank you note to to stew and to the people of calgary yeah uh, and that. and to whatever legacy had come out of uh mm-hmm. what it is we're talking about here mm-hmm. Um, the crowd was hot early. Like right after that, that anthem ended, it's already huge. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Howard Finkel introduces premier Ralph Klein at right. the, in the front row. Yeah. Uh, whose uh, father was a pro wrestler. Really? Yes. Wild. Yeah. Just wild. Uh, and again, like, so this guy was, he was the mayor of Calgary, uh, before mm-hmm. he became the premier. This is, yep. um, premier of Alberta, uh, premier of Alberta. So he was, he got a, a, a nice applause. Um, Which is like the governor. Yeah, yeah, sorry. For Americans I yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they, they introduced the, and they even says it, the patriarch and matriarch of yeah. uh, wrestling in, in, in Calgary is Stu mm-hmm. and Helen Hart. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bruce made sure to make sure he was oh, visible in that shot, wearing his sunglasses. <laughs> um, there's a really funny line here when they're doing the introductions. Uh, and, um, Goldust is coming out, and he can't. He's, they, they're talking about how Marlena is conspicuous in her absence right. because she's at home being a mom, and it's like. Uh, and Vince says, "Well, she's a super mom and a super lady, and when she's in Goldust Corner, she's a super corner person." <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, uh, Shamrock is introduced, and we notice that he's got three broads in the crowd who are like uh, super psyched for him and like like yeah. ho- hella hot um, personal rats. Yeah, yeah, and it's so cool to see. And when Stone Cold gets introduced, just as he's blowing up, right? As mm-hmm, I said, mm-hmm. and he getting this just hated response. Yeah, uh, it's really, really cool in Canada, yeah. but in the states, he was. Oh yeah, yeah, he was a baby. That's what I mean. It's, it's cool. That I remember when that was happening, and uh, yep. so you were at this event, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So I should have mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, I was. I watched it at home. I had just finished. This was. I had just graduated from theater school. I mm-hmm. had a bunch of my my actor friends over for the weekend, yeah. and we were just like on the edge of our seats watching this at home. Do you want to? Uh, I guess you can. You can give an overall thing at the mm-hmm. end, or you can throw in um, things throughout. Yeah, I mean, it was. I've, I've never been to anything like it before or since. Like mm-hmm. I've been to big football games, uh, rock concerts, and stuff. This was the heat was just unreal. Mm-hmm. Of uh, you know, it was the feeling at the time was like you know, yeah, we won. We brought back Stampede Wrestling, kind of. Exactly. We gave it the finish that it deserved, you know, because like I said, it sputtered out in the '80s and didn't have a climax. And then this, it was just a big love fest. And yeah. this was the peak of that whole era where you had the Canada versus USA feud, which was groundbreaking mm-hmm. at the time because you had. Um, the hearts as heels in the states and baby faces in Canada, and then of course vice versa with the um, with Austin yeah. and his guys. And it was all our guys that were making it big. Yeah, and one of the guys was as big as as it gets. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was uh, very much like a it was like a big hockey game atmosphere, yeah, sure. whatever. It was so crazy. Yeah, and it just it starts with the introductions of one by one. First, Pillman comes out, and yeah. you can see it in his eyes that he just feels this buzz. Oh yeah, yeah. Anvil comes out, and then Bulldog with Diana, who was yes. Mrs. Calgary or Mrs. Yeah. Stampede at this time. Yes, and you see it in their eyes. You see a this is a real moment oh, for yeah. them. This means so much to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, genuinely moved mm-hmm. um and then owen comes out and they're in love with him mm-hmm. this match was really his victory lap i think yeah, owen hart too. was my first favorite wrestler yeah, yeah, um and he really got more than anybody got the rub in this match is that safe yep. to say yeah yep. oh for sure um, um big time so he gets a big pop and after a long delay and the crowd is electric <laughs> for this long delay we hear the <laughs> and the place is going nuts and remember yeah. you just see a close as the camera's panning across just the guy like rocking yeah. out like as that that hard guitar yeah. uh, and it's just an electric atmosphere mm-hmm. and Brett takes a moment and all five men stand at the top of the ramp and they soak it in for a second and begin the walk to the ring yeah. um Owen and Jim have already picked up the Canadian flags on the way down. Yeah. Brett gives his glasses to Helen, and right away we're into a five-way standoff between mm-hmm. everybody just mm-hmm. standing there. Just great energy. The crowd is so hot. and ends yeah. up with Brett and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and this is the first time. I don't think I've seen this effect since and maybe it's i'm sure it has but when he's got him in the corner and he's just stomping on him the mm-hmm. crowd is so hot yeah you can see the the master camera is yeah, shaking it I've was. Never, like it was so wild yeah um it was, it was the building was shaking yeah i, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. it was just the whole thing was unbelievable yeah yeah they talk it's deafening in here yeah. um it starts with something like it felt like uh, some of that stampede of that great old school brawling between the two of them to start. Right. And he goes for the uh, Piper pin early, hey? Like off of the uh, sleeper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no such luck. Yeah. Um, he tags Anvil to get a cheer. Mm-hmm. Austin hits the Luthez press. I want to say quickly. For a long time, before I dug into more wrestling, the Lutez Press was my least favorite move in wrestling. <laughs> it looks so silly. Right. Uh, but now watching, after seeing uh, Jumbo hit it, uh, yeah. I, I get it. I it's get it. Mo- well, wait until you see uh, Lutez himself yeah. in his prime. Was that like the, the his finisher? Yeah, it, it was. Been, right? a, well, it was one of his signature moves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have not seen a Thez match yet. Yeah. I'm still working on it, guys. Yeah, Be no. patient with yeah, me. That's awesome. Uh, that was really funny to see the goofy MMA stuff that, uh, uh, what's his name, Anvil was trying to do with Shamrock. Right. And and uh, Shamrock gets a leg lock on, and Pillman is just being a dink yeah, throughout this yeah, match. Yeah. He was doing such heel things throughout yeah, this yeah. match and getting such a baby face yeah, reaction yeah, every time yeah. he did it. Uh, <laughs> JR reminds us of Pillman's CFL career with the Calgary Stampeders, so that's there's right. another connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is a guy who was, uh, like, a member of the family uh like when you see like yeah. old footage of them just hanging out at the house he's always kind of there yeah. he's kind of like what uh tyson became uh, yeah later with yeah them. like an adopted heart yeah and we'll yeah. get to him in a bit um great so yeah he like I said great heel work but he's getting a baby face reaction tags owen and uh there's an owen chant and an austin sucks chant mm-hmm. real great wrestling from everybody mm-hmm. uh these guys are all pretty well known with the exception of i'm gonna say hawk right as to, uh, like Shamrock turned into was ended up having a good pro wrestling career. He was fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he yeah he. I don't think his heart was ever in yeah. it enough where he could have been mm-hmm. really really good. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, he he was pretty good uh, mm-hmm. in this time frame for but sure. But it's it's uh, Animal was the the known as the worker, right? I He's, guess. But I mean, the Warriors. 
you know, for the most part, they did real short matches where they just kicked ass. And they got over by no selling. When they were asked to do longer matches, they were usually pretty dull. And you didn't want to see the Warriors sell. Sure. So they had problems that way. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, they were were good. Good hands. Yeah. I mean, they weren't awful, Mm -hmm. for sure. Okay. Uh, I just just remember hearing that. All right. I just... That... uh, yeah, if you had to choose one of the two, it'd be animal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, uh, he uh, when he's when uh, Pillman is working with uh, Shamrock, he just grabs his hand and starts tapping. He's, like, he's tapping yeah, out. He's that's tapping one out. Of my favorite parts. Um, uh, I forgot how much gold was on the Heart Foundation at this time. Right, I Brett. Think, yeah. Uh, Brett had the heavyweight strap. Yep. Owen had the IC, and the European was on uh, Bulldog. Yeah, and they may have had the tag belts too. I don't Bra- um, Owen and uh, Bulldog. At one point, they had I know, I everything. Know. Yeah, they need to do that again. They need yeah. to start doing that. Again. Right, that was like the classic. I guess four New Japan movie. does that a lot, where they'll put like just make a big like switch, and everybody like mm. their their yeah stable with stables. More factions, more stables. More stables. Yeah. Well, this was supposed to be WWE's answer to the NWO. Yeah. At this time. Yeah. Um. um yeah. Uh, Owen with uh, you got a good mid match schmoz that that later led to Owen with some great baby face high flying mm-hmm. that stuff that he couldn't really do anywhere else right. at this time and that uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot That's of people true. have said uh, even though he was a great heel for a long time in WWF mm-hmm. um, he never really got to showcase what we fell in love with uh in stampede as no. much like very fleetingly in the uh the blue blazer because he was booked mostly as a, a enhancement guy mm-hmm. uh jobber to the stars he lost most of his matches before he turned heel mm-hmm. so yeah i mean not yeah much. uh and there's another mid-match schmoz at this point like as i said i've been watching a lot of wrestling and there's those legendary all japan six-man tags and this doesn't reach that level and just in terms of match quality in terms of just guys just jesus beating the shit out of right. each other and pure athleticism and and depth of storytelling i'll say but this did kind of follow yeah. that same sort of thing where there'll be these schmozzes in the middle where the yeah. cooler heads have to prevail and we yeah, can kind yeah. of get back to a, yeah. a match again yeah totally um it was an atypical wwf match for yeah sure. yeah that's why it was so great um uh, so then this, uh, in the middle of this next schmoz, Stone Cold takes out Owen's knee and you see Bruce throw a beer at him. <laughs> yeah. And I think he threw it too early. I think he threw it too I think he's supposed to throw or it later. Or he maybe wasn't even supposed to throw it at all. I think he went into business for himself. Really? Uh, yeah. And I he, think it's possible. He's done that before too. We should mention Bruce Hart um, uh, would uh, be a substitute teacher for us yes. often uh, when we were in uh, junior Colonel high. Irvin, junior high. Colonel Irvin, junior high. Uh, shout out to uh, Colonel Irvin. Um, and those classes, we would do nothing but talk about wrestling <laughs> yeah. with him. Uh, but they'd always bring him back because he was so popular. Oh, totally. Um, English teacher. Yeah. Uh, so Austin had great heat at this point. Uh, Pillman literally shows ass <laughs> when, uh, when he's kind of right. running around. Um, oh, right, so Owen gets hurt. And right away, like the, the mic is right by Brett at that point. He's like, take him back, Jim. He's hurt. It was <laughs> yeah. perfect. It was perfect. We need to hear that so we know that, okay. Yeah, now yeah, Owen's yeah. been removed from this story. Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, Brett uh, later schma- uh, or Brett grabs Austin and starts working his leg, mm-hmm. uh, takes a fire extinguisher to it, among right. other things. And does he snap the figure four on the ring post at this point? Uh, 
I can't, I can't remember re- if he did remember. or not. I, I, I have it written down, but I think I might have done that erroneously. He, he may have, because I think the first time he used it was in the famous um, yeah. submission match from WrestleMania yeah. between Hart that's and right. Austin, that's I right. think. Um, I loved that uh, heel tactic from uh, Brett that we started to see at this time. That we, mm, yeah. like, uh, it's really cool. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So then, so that lead that takes Austin out with the. So we've got Owens left now, and now Austin had to go back. Yeah, uh, and we get a, a, and then we see a nice little bit of a quick little bit of the heart uh, original heart foundation working together and hitting yeah, one yeah, of them yeah, moves, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that got That's like cool. what could. It, with this electric crowd, uh, as 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 close as you're going to get to polite applause all night when they just kind of hit this thing, it was just kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 everybody was remembering everybody on this night, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. um, Pillman wouldn't let. There's a nice little subplot here that Pillman wouldn't let Shamrock get away with anything in this match. Right. Anytime it looked like he was about to get something started, he would just come in and fuck it up. <laughs> uh, and then Brett in the center of the ring hits a side Russian leg sweep, and that got a pop. That got a huge yeah, pop. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, yeah. All of the signature moves were getting huge pops. Yeah, it was yeah. just yeah. so crazy. Uh, lots of nut shots in this match. I yeah. thought that might have been a bit of Bruce, not Bruce a wink, wink to Bruce. Because <laughs> yeah, you like your nut shots. <laughs> Um, uh, Pillman fucked with Goldust. Uh, a wonderful uh, supla- superplex from Davy Boy on Goldust. Uh, yeah. uh, and finally, then Austin comes back and uh, gets back to Brett and Stone Cold again from where mm-hmm. we started. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel I need to. Vince suddenly acknowledged the shot calling because I wonder what he's saying to him here, uh, uh, JR. Um, Austin hits the sharpshooter. Uh, which is like uh, like the big shame, mm-hmm, and that, mm-hmm, at that mm-hmm. point, Owen comes back right. to huge applause. Uh, no, that was thunderous. Yeah, when Owen returned, and so then they're back in front of the fans again, and then we get another beer from Bruce. But at this point, it's only a half beer. He's probably <laughs> like, "Oh, I, 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 I do it at the wrong time." <laughs> Quick, Keith, give me yours. Yeah. It's like, oh man, but he manages to get a nut shot in there too. Uh, and then in all this madness, Owen rolls up Austin. Uh, I don't want to say the finish was anticlimactic because it still got a huge pop but just there was so much going on that it didn't really it wasn't a showcase it just kind of oh it's over uh, and we won right Um, at the time the finish it worked for sure yeah oh yeah and uh, it set up Owen against uh, Austin going forward Mm -hmm. as a program Mm mm-hmm uh, there's just madness in the ring. Bruce gets some more, a lot of shots in. He was going into work for himself. I think you're right. <laughs> the crowd is so in love at this moment. Um, yeah. And so it's about, they st- about to start this kind of post-match celebration. But Austin comes back with a chair and develops his character further and builds <laughs> on, uh, on, as you said, the feud with Owen. And he gets handcuffed. <laughs> he's, getting, he's cuffed like an animal, says <laughs> Vince. What are you... Who handcuffs animals? <laughs> I'm wondering. Oh, bears. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, and look, this, I have a lot of matches I love. I have a lot of, there's a lot of great matches out there. This is a really good match. Really, like, I think if you were to watch in a vacuum, it's still probably about a four and a quarter. I don't know what people, it's hard for me to grade, but this is, this is my favorite wrestling match because of, Everything we've talked about, mm-hmm. but the biggest thing is is the post match celebration. Yeah, and this is such a real moment, man. I've had, I've watched this match a dozen times. I don't think I've not cried at the end watching this ever, because they start bringing in everybody, starting with Stu mm-hmm. and all the wives and the kids yep. and the grandkids, yep. and for the longest time, this was poignant because. 
you know, you'd watch it six months later and Brian's died. Yeah. And then Not you'd watch it. Not even that long. Yeah. Uh, Pillman died like, what, three uh, months later? Uh, early October. And then Davy Boy, a little shortly uh, after well, that. Owen, it was Owen, Owen was next. Wow. Yeah. And then Davy Boy. And the screw job in between that. And the so this job. was this was it. Yeah. Right? So it had that. Uh, like level of like extra meaning yeah, that's uh, totally at that true. time. But then over the years I've gone back and watched it and you, right away. And you see this here that there's a more extended finish on the heart dynasty DVD than things mm. on the network where you mm-hmm. see more and more people mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see Teddy Hart coming Teddy. in looking slick, yeah. looking with slick the chain with some bling. Yeah. Look already. He's already got that, <laughs> that million dollar look and smile yeah. to him. Yeah. Surprised he didn't have a cat with him. <laughs> but really, what really hits you is you see Natty, Natty and you yeah. see Tyson and, that's it man that's right. I've said to people like you be, living out here in Vancouver I get I get torn apart for being from Alberta yeah, and like called a redneck uh, whatever comments yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. and if there's one thing I could show people to say what Calgary is and what Calgary has meant to me it is this match and it's this post match and this feeling of community and how everyone worked together and got to this point mm-hmm. and and yeah. you know it's it's too real. It's too real watching this yeah. at, at the oh, end. It totally. really it it means a lot to mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to see this was this was it for us. Like we yeah. took so much pride in this, yeah. and uh, these were our guys. No. And 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 this was as as this was it. This was like it's amazing that they got this mm-hmm. because you know wrestling is so harsh. Yes. <laughs> and and we knew from the things that would follow. Yeah. And not many people get this. Not many uh, on this level. No, um, so many things came together perfectly at that time. Yeah. And after that, I mean, I, I love pro wrestling. I, my life, uh, in many ways, is pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. But I often say, like, the day the music died for me was Montreal. Um, mm-hmm. A few months later, at the yeah. Survivor Series, and it's never been the same. Like this '97, it was, it's bittersweet. I mean, it was yeah. this peak you know, amazing moment, the culmination of like my fandom up to that point. Yeah. And then sort of like a major, you know, event that would start like making me bitter and mm-hmm. disillusioned with mm-hmm. wrestling. And the wrestling that I loved growing up started to die yeah. because matches started to mean less and less. It was all about the crazy angles and, uh, you know, the attitude era stuff. And it's never yeah. really been the same again uh for me mm-hmm. but i mean that's like you know when you're a kid i mean you, yeah. you get older and you, you become an adult yeah. And you, yeah you can't think, go back yeah man. yeah and these sorts of things kind of happen in real life a lot where yeah. you kind of have to yeah. let go of something yeah, exactly. um yeah yeah so it's like you know it's so we were the we, right age we yeah. were kids in the 80s and then we were just becoming men at this time yes <laughs> just you know just it was it was the little boys with big boys life. dreams yeah <laughs> um yeah, so this was, uh, you know, starting from the the, the horse shit smelling pavilion. It always stinks because they still it's it still was, there. Yeah, it's and still it's there. still used for cattle shows. And yeah, and stuff, yeah, right? yeah. I like when we go to the stampede, we'll go and it'll be like sheep shearing competitions and stuff. <laughs> and it's so wild to think of all the what's happened there and all the stories and the madness. Yeah. And, uh, well, in a future episode, I want to get into like the the history of wrestling in Calgary in general, like cool. pre-Stampede. Cool. And the pavilion was uh, open in 1919. Wow. So it's almost 100 years. Wow. And it's still still standing. That like, is so cool. It's, it's a pretty, you know, significant building for, like, regional wrestling history. Yeah. 
So yeah, so we've given you from what we know to be the beginning mm-hmm. and what we what we really see as the the kind of unofficial real end of Stampede Wrestling. So yeah. in the coming weeks we will get into I guess like I said we want to talk about some feuds, we want to talk about some yep. eras and particular uh, guys who really stood out and yeah. had some great, uh, some of like their best years there. Dynamite Kid yep. had his best years. Is that safe? Well, he's also in World uh, of Sport and, too, right? And Japan. And I, Japan. Yeah. We're not um, about. Um, but no, I mean, his time in Stampede was was legendary. That's yeah. where he became a star for the first yeah. time. Um, and when you watch those eighties, uh, and even in the the seven, he stands mm. out big oh, time. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I want to look, of course, at the history. Um, we got the network footage mm-hmm. that. That was taken down abruptly, but mm-hmm. hey, we got it, baby. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna look at it. I mean, it's beautiful stuff. It's the master tapes. Yeah, yeah, so, it looks so good. It's yeah. so clear. It's yeah. just amazing. Uh, 80s stuff. I want to talk about yeah, the 50s, the 60s. Talk about like the legendary performers: Archie the Stomper, Sweet Daddy Seeky, yeah. uh, Abdul the Butcher, yeah. Dan Crawford. There's so many. Um, and, and we're gonna get the. IWC, yes, I use that stupid term, <laughs> back on the Ed Whalen bandwagon. <laughs> or just on. <laughs> yeah, get, to get them to understand. Wake but, up! Yeah. <laughs> Our beloved. Yeah, no, no, seriously, folks, it's this episode that we talked about, the 1961 show. It's only like a half hour. It's on YouTube. Yeah, we'll we'll link it, it. Just watch it. Yeah. You'll be pleasantly surprised yeah. at how enjoyable it is. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, uh, it's an honor to be uh, here under the Place to Be Nation. And the, the Titans banner is even more yes. of an honor because I love I love you guys. That's my, the, Thank you. my, my favorite wrestling show, bar none. Um, and I listen to a lot of wrestling shows. You can ask my wife. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, and excited to see where we go with this and, yes. and uh, excited for you guys to join us on this journey. Uh, but in the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Another edition of Stampede Wrestling. Bye now. Today marks the start of the Blockbuster Duster, and we're bringing it in with style as John Wayne, James Stewart, Vera Miles, and Lee Marvin star in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, today at 2.55. Then at 6, it's an hour of entertainment and information with The Movie Show, followed by a glimpse of modeling in Japan on Fashion TV, tonight on 2 and 7.